you, Lord. We appreciate you, Jesus. Today, we bow before you in your presence. Knowing that you are here because you said, where two or more gather, I'll be there. Lord, but we feel the witness of your presence. Lord, as it moves out across the congregation and they rejoice. Because whether it's Elohim or Adonai or whether it's El Shaddai or whether it's whatever name you manifested yourself in, you came in the fullness of all of that. When you came flesh and dwelt among us so that the fullness of the Godhead would dwell in Jesus Christ. And today, Lord, we call on that name. We know the name of God. We know the name of our Redeemer. We know the name of our Savior. It's the name of Jesus Christ. And at that name, every knee has to bow and every tongue confess that He's Lord. Lord, we have done that. We have owned you as our Lord. But more than that, Father, we have been born and birthed into your kingdom. And you're not just our Lord, but you're our Father. And we're your children. And we are heirs and joint heirs with you. Lord, what a blessing it is to serve you today. God, as we have this morning kind of our Easter service, being that our services will be down at camp. Lord, I pray that you bless your people. Anoint us in your presence, for you are resurrection, life, and power. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Once you remember the services down at Dry Creek at Louisiana, we're going to not have a service here Wednesday or our next Sunday here. Our Easter services will be down at Dry Creek, Louisiana, as we have done, you know, the last 35 years, except for the COVID period. So, you know, if you can't attend them, or you can find them online, or we're going to try to live stream them. And, um, but uh, if not, you can catch the archives. So God bless you. Isn't it good to be in his presence? Well, in his presence is the fullness of joy. Amen. Thank you. We're going to read from Genesis 17 as we continue looking at El Shaddai. We're going to be speaking of resurrection, life, and power. Amen. Resurrection, life, and power. What a, what a great God we serve. Amen. Full of power, full of resurrection, life. Genesis 17 and 1, and when Abram was 90 years old and 9, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, that's El Shaddai. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make thy covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, you can be seated now. We, as I look at things in this time and this hour that we're living in and some of the climate and the atmospheres around us, I find it amazing sometimes how some can constantly criticize how God moves on others and sometimes to the point of blasphemy. And the message respects, Brother Branham cautioned us, he said, when we receive the Holy Ghost, 
It is not shaking hands with the pastor. Receiving the Holy Ghost is receiving Christ into you. Because he's God's messenger of the day. The Holy Ghost is God's messenger. And we must respect him. When he comes, don't say, he, 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 look at that woman shouting there and crying and tears running down her cheeks. Look at that man shaking his hands and trembling and crying. You know what that is? That's a bunch of worked up emotion. You are blaspheming the Holy Ghost. You got to respect that. Now, you know, if you noticed in here when we read the scripture, and I'm going to deal with this just for a moment. But the Bible said, and Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him. You know, there are instances in the Bible where actually demons threw a boy to the ground, and oftentimes would throw him into the fire. And, and, and of course, what, what is called today, fallen out in the spirit, which has been a phenomena actually since um, um, sanctification in the Methodist era um, you know and, and it's become impersonated until it's become a sham or a charade among the Pentecostals and some charismatics but someone had just classified all is of the devil but there's many instances of the Bible of the presence of God coming upon a person and then falling in God's presence so overwhelmed by the powerful presence of the Almighty you know what, we, we, we think about this and, you know, let me just interview Moses for a moment. Moses, well, what about you? He said, well, when me and Aaron entered the tent of meeting and, when they, and we came out and we blessed the people, the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people. And the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and actually consumed the burnt offering and the fat portions of the altar. And when everybody saw it, they shouted for joy and they fell face downward. Well, what about you, Joshua? What happened when you saw the captain of the army of the Lord with his sword drawn? And and he said, well, I tell you, when I saw him, I fell on my face and I worshiped him. And what about you, Manoah, when the angel of the Lord told you about your son, Samson, and how he would be born? He said, yeah, we offered a kid, a goat kid, with a meat offering. And we offered it up on a rock. And the angel of the Lord did wondrously. And a flame of fire went up toward heaven. And the angel of the Lord went up in that flame. And my wife and I, we fell on our faces. Well, Solomon, what about the priests when the glory of the Lord filled the temple? Well, you know, he said, Solomon said, well, I was praying the prayer of dedication. And when I finished praying, the fire came down from heaven and it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. So that the priest could not stand the minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Let me just say to this, we know when, you know, that was the Old Testament temple. How much greater is it when the Holy Ghost comes and he fills the temple of the individual and they feel that's the temple he wanted it was never a building of stones and precious jewels it was sons and daughters of God what about it when the power of God comes down in a life
life and transforms it and moves by the Holy Spirit. Don't you think that would be rather dynamic too? What about you, Daniel? Well, he said, you know, I was speaking, I was, I was there on the, uh, on the banks of Uliah and, and um, I heard a man's voice that said, Gabriel, try to make this man to understand the vision. And Gabriel came near me and I was afraid and I fell on my face. But he said to me, understand, O son of man, for at the end time shall be the vision. And as he was speaking to me, I went into a deep sleep on my face, on, the, with, on, my face on the ground. But he touched me and he set me upright. But let me tell you another time, another time I was standing on the bank of the Tigris and I looked and there was a man that was dressed in linen. He had a belt of fine gold of euphaz upon around his waist and his body was like topaz, kind of a yellowish green. And his face was like lightning and his eyes was like flaming torches and his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze and his voice like the sound of a multitude and he said I was the only one that saw the vision the rest around me didn't see me but such terror fell upon the rest of them it overwhelmed them and they fled and they hid themselves but me I was left alone I was gazing at this great vision and I had no strength left and my face turned deathly pale and I was helpless and I heard him speaking as, as I listened to him I fell into a deep sleep my face to the ground these are pretty awesome experiences with the almighty what about you Ezekiel well I saw him like the appearance of a bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain it was uh, the appearance of brightness all around. Such appearance as the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face. And I heard the voice of one speaking. Amen. Well, all of that's Old Testament. Well, when Peter, James, and John saw Moses and Elijah and Jesus glorified and heard a voice from heaven declaring that Jesus was his beloved son saying, Hear ye him, they fell on their face. What about you, Paul? Well, I was on the road to Damascus. It wasn't really a spiritual time for me. I was going along. I was threatening to kill everybody that believed in the name of Jesus. And as I was riding along on my horse, there was suddenly a light from heaven flashed around me and falling to the ground. I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. What about you, John? Did you have an experience that you could talk about? Yeah, I heard the voice of one there and I turned to look and see and I I saw seven golden candlesticks and these lampstands standing in the middle of those lampstands was one like the son of man and he was clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest and his hairs of his head they were white like wool like snow and his eyes was like a flame of fire and his feet was like burnished bronze and, and refined in a furnace and, I, and his voice was like the sound of many waters and in his right hand there were seven stars 
powers. And from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun shining in full strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me. And he said these words, fear not. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but behold, I am alive forevermore. And I've got the keys of death and of hell. Now, let me just tell you, Brother Branham often spoke of this happening in the Wesleyan revival where men were so overwhelmed by their need of God uh, and and they, they fell sometimes senseless to the ground and, and they would throw water upon them to revive them. And he never condemned it. He always said it was of God. And I just want to say, what's wrong with having an experience that is so profound and so real that you fall at his feet as dead? What is wrong with having an experience that you can feel, that you can, that you can know, that you can walk away saying, I know I met him. I know it was not an illusion. It was not an imagination. It was real. Well, some will say, I, I know someone had experience like that and was never converted and became ranked sinner. Yeah, that's true. I know of some who just accepted the message and claimed the Holy Ghost and became ranked sinners too. No, emotion is not the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost does what make one emotional. We often fear becoming like a Pentecostal. And instead we become a formal Baptist or Presbyterian. Or Episcopalian. And so as we would see Jesus, Brother Branham said, Philip, after he was converted, he was all enthused. And any man, when he finds Jesus and gets saved, there's an enthusiasm. Oh, I wish I could give that to men like Jack Schuler and Billy Graham, both of them, he said at times that they were messengers to Sodom. And those, those who, great evangelists who God is a using, and the people who profess to come are too starchy. He was seeing them come to the altar too starchy. They just seemed to say, yes, well, I believe and what is that? It is an intellectual conception. But that won't work. You've got to be born again. And when you're born, there's an enthusiasm rises with that birth and sets the soul afire and takes all the differences away and isms and comes straight to Calvary and recognizes Christ with a burning love and zeal for the lost and fallen world. The new birth is an experience. This was an experience that Abraham was having. It types the Holy Ghost. You watch Brother Branham in the hall of his ministry. He said, this is Abraham living out, typing the coming of the Holy Ghost, what it does. Now, we've been told through Abraham's journey that he walked with God. That's a progression. We saw him like a heathen, you know, like the rest of the world, but 
called out by God and began to walk with him. And that was justification in that divine call. Later we saw him where he come to the altar and was sanctified by the blood. And, and here at 99, you would think the journey is now complete. It's all over with. He's too old. It's, he's beyond anything else. There's no more progression. There's no more furtherance of it. But now he is just now about to fulfill his real purpose. And here God reveals himself as almighty God, El Shaddai. And so in Genesis 17, 1, we saw when he was, Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty, I am El Shaddai. And, and this word El Shaddai, almighty God, is in the Hebrew, it comes from a root word meaning breath. This is a type of the Holy Ghost. So he's saying, I am the breasted God. I am the life giver. I am the strength giver. You're 99 years old, but you're just a baby to me. Amen. You're you thinking you're, you're too old to receive it. You're too old to get healed. You're too old for a miracle. You can never get too old for a miracle. Amen. I always remember Bill Dow, who was past 90, and God raised him up there to shake Brother Branham's hand in front of the Blue, Blue Boar restaurant. By vision, he saw him coming there. Are you with me? Amen. And he walked step by step in his healing until he stepped into that vision. And he would live 90 years old, live many, many years after that. You're never too old. And you're not too young. I was five when I gave my heart to the Lord. You're not too young. Now, again, this word almighty God is this Hebrew word that comes from El Shaddai. Or El Shaddai, and from that comes the breast. This is our age where God is revealing himself. Right now, even as El Shaddai, when Sarah, who is, in, is past bearing, brings forth a child. And, and Abraham, whose body is now dead. I want you to notice, it's going to take a resurrection life. Sarah, her womb is dead. Abraham, the, body, the Bible said his body is now dead. Amen. And, and so in type, he is born again by receiving the Holy Ghost. And this again is where his faith begins. It really begins his faith. Yes, he had faith before, but now it comes to a new level, operating in the Holy Ghost. Now, Abraham was not not expecting a son by Sarah. He was, that was the furthest thing out of his mind. You know, he was satisfied and he was happy with his son by Hagar. Are you with me? As far as he was concerned, the promised son had come. You know, Abraham's faith had to be resurrected. Amen. It had to have a restart, a renewing. And his heart had to be turned toward the promise. Are you with me now? 
Now, here when meeting El Shaddai, he would receive a restored faith. He would be required to believe in the miraculous. A dead womb, a dead seed, a dead promise, a dead faith, a dead church is being brought to life. It's resurrection power at work. This is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. This is the fullness of God coming into an individual. Amen. It's more than a sanctification which cleanses your vessel. It's more than a justification that declared you worthy to receive it. It's more than that. It is God coming down and living in tabernacle himself in the individual. And this we're also seeing the coming of the Lord. He has come in the fullness of his word because of the opening of the seven seals that opened to us the truths of the book that would have been once mysteries that were covered up and left in obscurity. Partial truths were known, but this was a restoration to the fullness of the truth. And because of this, you know, because of the misconceptions of the past, down through time, you know, then, then we, we, it required that God would send a, a message that the first part of his coming would be to a prophet. Now, he wouldn't come in his fullness and dwell that prophet. No, he was not the fullness of the Godhead bodily and never will be. Don't ever get that in mind. We're not deifying the man. The word was just coming to a prophet. But that word was God. Are you with me? Amen. It was a mighty shout of the archangel coming through the voice of a man. Oh, yeah. In that, there was many things like Brother Brandon would say. You got to realize there's a human part. You got to realize I'm a man. You got to realize, you know, this comes in progression and, and, and revelation unfolding itself. And, and I might have said one thing back here, but now, you know, understanding has come. Light has shone on this. Amen. Now, but this is part of his coming is Christ returning in the form of his word. Amen. It's working in human beings and showing the signs that he promised. But I want you to notice there's something about his face. We saw this when John fell at his feet. But if you'll turn with me to Revelation 10:1, he said, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven and he's clothed with a cloud. A rainbow was upon his head. And I want to focus on this. And his face. And his face was as it were the sun. His face was as it was the sun. With this mighty angel, the full word come because his face, his countenance was as the sun. Now, light is being shown on things that had never been seen before. This is a light that Zechariah prophesied of. It shall be light in the evening time. And that light was now shining on the book, the word, the Bible. Come on. Amen. And it was causing it to be open. A book whose mysteries were sealed and its contents could not be understood. Amen. But, but now his face shines upon it. And 
when it does, it becomes opened. Light shines upon things that were not understood. People are claiming the opening of the word, yet much of it is closed to them. They close the door of mercy, sealing up and shutting down divine healing. Miracles, the Holy Ghost. Now Jesus spoke a woe against the religious men of that day and it applies to this day. Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, it's a woe. Amen, great, what sorrow awaits you? That's what it means when he says woe. Amen, it's not woe like stop, it's W-O-E like great sorrow. Great sorrow is coming upon you. For you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces and you won't go in yourself and you won't let others go in either. Now when the book was opened to John, he saw his name in the promise. And it caused the emotions to rise and ring out praises to the Lamb who, who uh, opened the seals. Now, the open of the word causes the word to live. That's what it does. It brings light upon it. And when it's illuminated, it has to be manifested. Amen. And it opens up a fountain of living water. Amen. A bountiful supply of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, you cannot turn the message into a stagnated cistern. Where we just store up our creeds and dogmas and revivals of the past. Amen. But you see, you know, even good fresh water will become stagnant if left in a cistern. Amen. And that's what we've done. We've tried to denominate the message. And it becomes stagnant. It didn't become a living water. It became a stagnant pool. And we take truth together and let it become Dirty, old, unfit for drinking. We had an old cistern down at a farm we had. The well would always run dry. So they had a cistern on an old farm in Plain Dealing when I was a kid. We spent six, year, uh, six months there when I was a boy and lived there for a time. As I've told you, my family was always preppers. Before preppers were popular. We stored up food for the, and we got prepared for the missile crisis. And down, down in, and um, that Castro was causing and all the other things. We, you know, it, it was there. You know, in the cistern, you, you would have to take a rag and strain the water in order to get, you know, the bugs out of it. The wiggle tails. Amen. It was leftovers from a, a revival. And that's the way that people, many have done the message. And many churches are only cisterns. And many of them are broken cisterns. That the revival has leaked out years ago. Because they forsook the fountain of living waters. I want you to know that when the, the word opens up, it is a life given flow and it's a bountiful supply and it's pure and it's clean and it's free of wiggle tails and the dust of the past 
and the washing of dirty lives. Now, Brother Bradham told us in December 1963, what we need today is an opening of the word that lives. And then he says, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot fail. They call it mental telepathy. They call it whatever they want to or spirits or sort of devil. As long as that word is flowing free and producing exactly what it said it would do. It's a fountain in the house of David again. Back in Bethlehem where that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever to his Bethlehem dwellers. Live with it. Live in it. It's a life journeying water for us as Israel had. Hallelujah. What a promise that is. Now this is El Shaddai. And here he is. You're bringing forth a church born of the supernatural. We've had Ishmael's that was born of the bondswoman and man's strength. But this is a supernatural church. A supernatural people. A super race. Hallelujah. Amen. This is one born of the spoken word of God. This is one that is born of a supernatural work. Of an appearance of the almighty. Romans 4.19 says, being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not, I love these words, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Oh, to be a people strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded. Amen. That what he had promised, he was also able to perform it. Oh, that there would be a people who has melted El Shaddai and their faith becomes a faith like this, that they are fully persuaded. Nothing can change their mind. A doctor's report can't change their mind. Circumstances, symptoms cannot change their mind. What the internet says cannot change their mind. Amen. They staggered out at the promise of God through unbelief, but are strong in faith, fully persuaded. Amen. Now, what he had promised, he's also able to perform it. Hallelujah. That is the kind of people the Holy Ghost produces. That is the people of El Shaddai. That is the people who have received that appearance. That becomes so real they fell to the ground. I'm, I'm not in any way trying to get some emotion started of falling out. That ain't what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tell you the experience is real, profound, life-changing, shattering. It has to be supernatural. Abram's body is dead. Sarah's womb is dead. Why, why is he able to believe and not disbelieve or stagger at the promise? Why? How is he with a dead body? And Sarah with a dead womb, able to be strong in faith. Look, they, you look at the circumstances. It's dead. It's impossible. You know, but what is he doing? You know, how is he able to do this? He is drinking and receiving life from El Shaddai. 
Amen. In type, he is receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it's a river of living water. Amen. And it keeps flushing out unbelief. It keeps pushing out doubt. Amen. You can throw the gossip of unbelief at him, and it pushes it out. I don't hear it. I won't receive it. I don't believe it. I believe what God's word said. Amen. What God said is true, and I believe it. He's strong in the faith, giving glory to God. Do you notice this? If you have faith, you're going to give glory to God. Amen. When your faith is complete and you know you received the Holy Ghost, it causes you to give glory to God. Look what happened in the book of Acts. Every time it did, they spoke in other tongues, glorifying God. Amen. They spoke in other languages, but they heard them. And what were they doing? Glorifying God. More than just coming out of your mouth, it'll start coming out of your life. Hallelujah. Your life will glorify him. Your life will declare he's my God. He's my Lord. He's my King. There is no other. I'll bow to no other name but the name of Jesus. I will bow to the pressure of peer pressure. I will bow to the pressure of the world. I will not bow to the pressure of Hollywood. Amen. I will not bow to those who say they disbelieve the sign. I will not bow to them. I will not give them time. I have no time for them. Flush out unbelief. Strong in the faith. But you see, the devil wants to cut off our praise. When we drink from El Shaddai, when you really get the Holy Ghost, it's going to bring a praise out of your life. It makes the hallelujahs roll. And it don't just happen in church, but it does happen in church. Amen. Even when you hear the songs of Zion, when you you see the the word going forth, it causes the hallelujahs to begin to roll and to thank you, Jesus. And I'm so glad that I can say I'm one of them. It's a sign that the resurrection is already working. And how can it be a sign without a voice? It must be the voice of the resurrected. If if it's the resurrection, it must give voice. Amen. Now, it's more than just receiving a message as Luther and Wesley did and then becoming the voice of a denomination. There has been brides, brides, and churches, churches, and, uh, but there must come one who is the word. Not a partial word, but the fullness of the word. The word made flesh dwelling here with resurrection life and resurrection power and give voice to the word. Now, Brother Branham tells us in trying to do God a service without his will, he said, it's right at the end of the church age where they got things in ecclesiastical has got so messed up until God sends a messenger. And that's the message to that church age. And then they take his message. I want you to watch this. Watch the pattern. Because he lives just for a little while. And God, 
Then when they, they take his message, instead of carrying on with the rest of it, they make a denomination. You see, they stop with the man and don't go on with his message. They make a personality cult out of the man and don't follow his message. Are you with me? Amen. So they make a denomination and so another messenger comes. So it's been the cycle just like that. By the way, we just passed where Brother Brandon's been gone longer than he was here. His birthday would have been 113 years old. And so that's 57 years. He, he lived only 56. But then he says, you've seen in my book, be drawn out in the seven church ages, where he told me, and I stand by it as, I stand by as a witness for, to God to be judged at the day of judgment for it. This is a good one on the church age book. Listen to this. You've seen it in my book. It'll all be drawn out in the seven church ages, which he told me, I, which I stand by as a witness to God to be judged at the day of judgment. It come from God, not from my thinking. Notice, here I thought different from that. And he said, if I was going to have my thought, like Brother Jack told me about the angel there, the, the one was with white wig, he said, he said that was Christ in the glorified body, but it wasn't. It was showing the message being right, the supreme deity. He was God. And the very thing I've been preaching from the word, the word always bears record of the word. Now, so the message of Malachi 4 then brings us to the birth of the word. For it turns the heart. Notice the others make a tradition of the messenger's life. But there's some that go on with the message. And so it is from that word a people comes that are born of that word. And where the word is made flesh in their flesh. And I want you to get this today if you don't get anything. Because we're talking about the Holy Ghost. But a constant refilling from El Shaddai is so needed. It's not a drink of wine and done. It's not a sip. Amen. It has to be an everyday event. Continually like a baby nursing strength from its mother. Amen. God has opened, unsealed his breast to us, opening up the scripture of both breasts, both Old and New Testament. Listen, he doesn't do it to the world. He doesn't do it publicly. He does it to a chosen people. It is only to them the book is unsealed. The rest of them is still sealed. It's still closed up. They will never see it open. But for you, it has been open. And because it's been open, you have an access to everlasting, ever flowing, all the time life. It's the Old and the New Testament. Every type of the Bible being manifested. 
You see, how else could Abraham be strong in the faith and not consider this, that his body was now dead and Sarah's womb? He wasn't thinking on that. He wasn't allowing that to sit on the throne of his, of his mind. Somebody help me. He wasn't allowing. Listen, if you, you got cancer and you allow yourself to dwell on my cancer. For the first thing, it shouldn't be yours. And the second thing, you shouldn't be dwelling on it. You should be looking at the promises. Confessing the promises. Amen. Staggering out at the promises. Strong in the faith. Giving praise to God. Every time your mind goes to the sickness, you go back to praise again. Thank you, Jesus, for healing me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for your report. The doctor's report wasn't good, but your report. And I believe because you're looking for somebody that I believe you're my report. Did you know why he was wounded for my transgression? Bruised for my iniquity. The weapons I should have got. Amen. Because I didn't pray enough and I didn't fast enough and I didn't read the Bible enough and I've never done nothing enough and I can't be enough. But I'm drinking from one who is more than enough. He had to believe for resurrection life. Sarah's womb was dead. He had to believe for resurrection life for himself. His body was dead. Somebody got to start believing for resurrection. Somebody's got to start believing for a new body. Somebody's got to start preparing and getting ready, dressing himself in the word for a wedding. Come on, somebody. Amen. You see, he had to believe in resurrection life. And how could he do that? Being weak in faith. That was rapturing, body changing faith that was coming from the Holy Ghost. Don't hang up on me. I'm not through and I'm fixing to dial you back in. Listen to me. You dropped the call. This was rapturing, body-changing faith. And it was coming from the Holy Ghost. But how could it be strong in the face of a dead body and a dead womb? How could he be strong enough to consider not or to consider what was, that he did not consider what was dead? He did not consider his dead parts. He considered what El Shaddai promised. You see, he drank continually on the promises of God. This was the Holy Ghost, a well of living water. What good does it have abundance of water if you drink one time and that's it? Come on now. Amen. It's a water. It's a well of living water. A constant refreshing. Amen. Not a revival in youth camp and we've got to wait another year for another revival. 
Oh, we got to wait till the October meetings or a special youth service, but a continual reviving. Hallelujah. Living in the Holy Ghost. Not just one service, and, and we go to we go and we have another good service after after Ohio camp or after Oklahoma camp, and we we have that. But now, but we we come again and we have another good service, and then we just kind of let things die, 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 down, down, down. It is a refreshing, and it is to be. Continual. His body was now dead, but his spirit was a living spirit. A life within him that drove back death, that drove back doubts, that drove back fear. The Holy Ghost is for a constant and a continual communion. We must go back again and again for refreshing. If you can want to be refreshed on this subject, just go back to the sermon I preached on the, the Passover. You remember that one? Amen. If you don't know it, I'll get the link to it for you because, you know, it's, it is something that we live. We are to have communion forever. Again, it's not one and done. It's not even once a week. It's not, even, it's not even twice a week. When we come Sunday and Wednesday, it's a praying people. Amen. 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 You, you know, this, this is going way over your head. It's a praying people. Amen. It's a praying people constantly pulling on the promise. Amen. Not a prayer of God help Johnny today and be with Susie. It's where your soul comes up in the presence of God. And you just bathe down in his presence. It's praying until the Holy Ghost comes and you begin to pray in the spirit. Where the supernatural begins to happen. This is not to be one and done. This is not to be once a week. This is not to be once a month. This is to be every day pulling from El Shaddai. You pray in the spirit until the supernatural comes. You pray in the spirit, and that's where the supernatural comes. It's, now, look, it's always mechanical at first. Always. It's always mechanical at first. Look, when I, when I preach, you know, you know we, we always start out in the mechanical. We do. You, 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 you could call it also in the flesh. People worried about being in the flesh. You came here in the flesh. You'll probably leave here in the flesh. But you see, when you're preaching, you just keep yielding. You you know, we we start out in the flesh and we pray. We ask for God's spirit and feel a little tug there. And then we read the Bible and something strikes us there. It's still mechanical. We keep yielding and soon the anointing drops down. And the Holy Spirit takes over. And something happens. And you, you must, you see, you, you begin to say things you never dreamed of saying. Words come out. 
out of your mouth that flows is prophecy. Amen. The spirit is speaking to the church. But it starts out mechanical. Same thing happens. You start out mechanical in prayers. The problem with too many of you, your prayers start and end mechanically. You must pray in the spirit. You start mechanically until he comes. That's when you're really drinking from El Shaddai. That's when life starts flowing from the Holy Ghost into you. Where you start praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, and it is the rising of the sun. Brother Branham said mechanic. And the mechanics by going in. Notice, by going in, mechanics. And the dynamics come from above. Holy Spirit. And then catch them away, Lord. Quicken their mortal bodies. Then we will hear genuine new tongues, powers of God, love untold, dying grace and living grace, and a resurrected Christ, a body, a bride, representing him on the earth. That's what it means when you, when you start mechanically, but then the dynamics come from above. The Holy Spirit and catches you away. And then it quickens your mortal body. Amen. Then you hear genuine new tongues. Powers of God. Love untold. Dying grace. Grace to die by and grace to live by. Amen. A resurrected Christ. A body, a bride representing himself on the earth. Brother Branham explained it this way. When he went out to pray for Georgie Carter, you remember, he, was, he felt a burden come upon him. Have you ever felt burdened? I don't mean your troubles burdened you and you couldn't pay this bill and you're burdened. I'm talking about sighing and crying because of the sins in the city. In the country and all around you. Amen. That sin made you so sick. You sighed and cried over it. You wept. Brother Branham told us in 1964 that's the evidence of the sealing of the Holy Ghost. It causes you to sigh and cry, it puts a burden within your heart. See somebody else saved. Oh God, don't let them be lost. He went to pray for Georgie Carter. Went up to on the hill and he said, I started to kneel down and the green briars was cutting me. So I moved a little further and it got so rough on the ground that the rocks was hurting me and I couldn't get comfortable. And so I went around to the side of the hill and it was leaning sideways. And you know... The devil was just trying to keep me from getting the blessing. He said, that's all it was. And then I climbed up a little farther into the thicket and I knelt down. The mosquitoes were just humming all around my ears and I could hardly pray. And I believed then it was the devil. So I said, oh, Lord, God, be merciful. And just threw up my hands and started praying anyhow and just let the mosquitoes fill up if they wanted to. But, but there was something burned my heart and after after I become so lost in prayer. This is nursing from El Shaddai. This is getting strength, instruction, life from the Holy Ghost. 
Amen. I became so lost in prayer. I guess you Christians know what it means to be lost in prayer and just forget where you are. That's praying in the spirit. You just closed your book and walked outside. Didn't want to hear that, did you? Well, I got some more. When the spirit is moving the church, that's another time to drink from El Shaddai. The Holy Ghost. A lot of people will sit there and watch what's going on and say, oh, don't that look silly? And, oh, that's nice they're getting a blessing instead of entering in and receiving something from God themselves. You need it just as much as they needed it. You old dry cowhide. Amen. You need the Holy Ghost. And it ought to be in every home. In the church, we are eagles. And when the eagles feed, the blood flows. They don't eat on dedicarian. They eat on something with life in it. And when they eat, the blood flows. It gets all over them. Everybody can see. That's what every church service ought to be like. That's what your prayer life ought to be like. That's what your your daily life ought to be like. This is not one and done. You are nursing from El Shaddai. And you're going to nurse on it till you're changed. Your faith is going to go from faith to faith. The level your faith is, you'll never take a rapture. Your faith has got to be elevated. I, I, I know you, you didn't like that slap, but I have to say it very plain to you. You're going to have to drink and drink and drink. My sister Dolores said, Bill, when the power was in the church, I felt like I could just fall away. And then everybody, the Holy Ghost began to fall on person. On person, I just sat and looked around. And he said, now the law of sin and death works in your flesh. You always have it. The law of the spirit of life works in your heart. So your heart, your spirit, and your heart will make your body obey what it says to do. And that's exactly right. Paul said, always the flesh. I'm, I'm too tired. I'm unable. I'm not sufficient. I can't do it. I said, Dolores, they, I said to Dolores, she's been talking to me about the Holy Ghost. And she said, what made me feel that way? Just at the time, I should have felt good. He said, the devil. He's seen you just about ready to receive it and said, I'll put a damper on her and fan her a little bit and cool her off, cool her down a little. He said, but that's when you rise and you claim your God-given rights. Amen. That's what Paul said. When I would do good, evil is present. And your flesh will always say, oh, I'm too tired. I'm too weary. Oh, that's not for me. I don't want to look like that. I don't want the spirit to get all over me like that. Your flesh will always say and give every kind of excuse. But you got to realize that's the devil. And press beyond it. And make your flesh obey God. Yes, sir. So you have to press through to the Holy Ghost. When a baby nurses, it stimulates the flow. You know that. Even the cry will cause the milk to come down. 
You, you got, and then you can drink of the water of life freely. You know, I, I was a dairy farmer for years and milking goats. You know, I always said, you know, God gave us goat milk. I don't drink it now because it's not available. But I said, if God intended us to milk a cow, he'd give us four hands. <laughs> but you know, with a goat, when you bring him in or any animal, the, the dairy cow, it doesn't matter. You have to stimulate the animal for the milk to come down. All right? So we would, we would begin with washing with warm water and, and massaging the udder. And first thing you know, you'd feel it come down. Because before that, you got a little squirt, a little drip here or there. But then when it comes, brother, you can milk. Because the flow was free. Now, let me just say, you know, God's not a goat or a milk cow, but you're going to have to stimulate the flow. Even a cry from a saint of God will cause his breast to let down nourishment. Life. Amen. It will, it, you must nurse until the stimulation makes the dead to come to life again. Drive it out, death. Like Israel down in Egypt, they had to start groaning. They had to start travailing. The church has to get so sick of sin that they want out of here. Did you hear what I said? The church is going to have to get so sick of sin and evil and Sodom. I wonder if that's what this COVID is about. You know, Israel had to get sick of Egypt before they would leave. Come on. They had to get sick of, of where they were in the slave belt and being mistreated. They had to get to a place until they groaned because of it. This is the Bible. You sign and cry. And it's those that are signing and crying. I put a seal on them. Amen. That, that's a whole thing. You know, again, Brother Bradham told us this very concept. And he did it after the seals were opened in 63. He said, a baby. He said, you got to be like a baby and cry for it. Amen. Cry that something happens. Amen. Well, Brother Tim, I'm afraid it's just flesh. You're going to start out there. You're going to bring your old stinking hide down to the altar. And you're going to start out like that. But if you just stay like that in the flesh and walk back to your seat, it ain't going to have done you a bit of good. In fact, to the matter, it diminishes your faith for the next time. You go on. You get in the spirit. You see, I wonder if this... if this is what this woke society is about. I wonder if companies like Disney who used used to be wholesome family films, you know, uh, now beating at the door in Sodom, screaming about accepting the transgender, teaching our children to to accept homosexual mentality and and accept their agenda. It's Sodom knocking at the door. I wonder, I wonder when it's going to cause, when it's going to get enough. It's going to cause the bride to start sighing and crying. About moaning and crying and the sealing angel only seals those 
whose sin makes them sick. The rest of them belong to the world. Brother Branham said in voice of the sign, Israel was waiting on God, God was waiting on them. He had his prophet out there in the wilderness, but he was only waiting for people to call him into action. I believe he's got the same thing today, waiting for his church to call it on the scene so he can act. The promise of today is ready, but he's got to get the people to pray and and groaning like they were down there, and then it'll come on the scene. So he's got to get people there pulling on God, stimulating the flow. Amen. Are you with me? Somebody hearing me? Amen. Listen now, Brother Branham said, politics voting in and out and saying this and that and the other. Holy Spirit has no more right away in the church than nothing. No more prayer meetings. No more agonizing with God to fulfill his word. No more believing that the word is the same, still the same yesterday, today, and forever. They just vulturized down, got a denomination, put their name on a book, got lazy and soft, sat back there gloating on some kind of dedicarian. And then they're supposed to be like as a hawk that's similar to brother to the eagle, the, brother, the prophet that brought the true word and manifested. I wonder, what is this dedicarian he's talking about? What makes something dedicarian? He's speaking about Bible truths. I want you to get this. He is speaking about Bible truths of the reformers that have become stagnant. Because it no longer lives or manifests its promises. That's what a carrion is. It's Bible truths that have been brought that no longer lives but is stagnant. And does not manifest his promises. That's the same with the truths of this message. If we allow it to become stagnant and it not manifest itself, uh, you know, and showing Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever in every detail but his corporal body, it's dedicarian. And like a bunch of vultures that gather around it, gloating because God sent a prophet. And become like a slobbering, drooling vulture, idolizing him instead of manifesting the word. I know that's hard and difficult maybe for some to swallow. But you see, no more prayer meetings. No more agonizing with God to fulfill his word. No more believing that the word is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. They just vulturize down. Got a denomination, the name on the book. They got soft and lazy, sets back bloating. This is 1965. Did you hear me? This quote is from from his last sermons. And the word had been open now for two years. With the seals being taken off the book. And Brother Branham isn't there sitting back there gloating about what God did yesterday. He was looking for fresh oil of the spirit to make the word live. That's what I'm saying. This says, said I, not a drink from yesterday, but a word that's open and alive. If this message won't open the blind eyes, if this message, come on, if what we got, if the power we have will not heal the sick, 
Amen. If it will not give a genuine experience of the Holy Ghost, if it will not produce prophecy, if it will not produce itself, it is dead a carrying. A lot of us being fed out, served out. Don't get mad at me. Brother Branham said this happens. They have made it a carrion. Buzzard bait. Made it dead, dead, dead. Rotten meat for buzzards. The world falling apart. He says just exactly what Jesus said when he come down to the earth. He said God sent them prophets down to the age and every time that their world system would fall apart, their religious system. What did you do with him? God sent the prophet and you put him in a tomb. And then about another generation, you wake up and realize that was a prophet. And then what do you do? You garnish the tomb. What do you do? Make a tradition of his life. That's exactly what Israel had done, had taken the prophet Moses, made a tradition out of his life. And that's the way we do. Martin Luther, uh, John Wesley, other men were always looking back, see those things, and you make a tradition of their life and garnish the tombs of them. And their message was for another day. By the time you wake up, well, that day's done lived by and we're in another day. And the whole system has worked that way since the beginning. Man-made systems. And that's how a message from God becomes carrion. Dead, rotten, is when it becomes just a tradition. When what you have becomes stagnant and doesn't live. When you, like a buzzard, sit gloating over the past, God used to heal, but not now. You see, it just ain't the same as it was back there. Well, Jesus is. Amen. When they, you know, God used to heal in the past, but not now. When they got the Holy Ghost, they shouted, they spoke in tongues, they glorified God, but not now. That's not how we get it today. You know what? God used to move in prayer lines, but not now. We're the bride. We don't need prayer lines anymore. You're bride for a buzzard. You're certainly not an eagle. Amen. Oh, we don't want to get emotional, yeah. Because what you have, no one would ever get excited over. <laughs> what you got, what you're offering, nobody would get excited over. Amen. It's become a tradition. It's a form of godliness. It's a Baptist approach. Of we believe and we got the Holy Ghost. There's certainly nothing to shout about. Amen. Amen. It's carrying. There's no healing to it. Life is gone out of it. There's no more longer a miracle. It's a dead carrying. Choosing of the bride. He said, a church member, if your church isn't like a Bible church like that that measures up to God's qualification of the word, which is, by the way, is a book of Acts church. Get out of it and get into Christ. Amen. Amen. Politics, voting in, voting out, saying this, that, and the other. In other words, the pastor going by the opinions of the members. Can you, can you imagine a church actually voted on whether the seventh seal was open? Can you imagine that? Why do we need to vote on whether it's open? God opened it. The devil 
devil's trying to close it, but God opened it. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Brother Branham couldn't say things publicly and, and parts of it was not released until after his death. So he would say, you know, God would not permit me. He would not allow him to put out that tape at that time. But all the seven seals are open. Every mystery of God is revealed. Are you with me? And the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit has no more right away in the church than nothing. So we have church ordered God out of the church. I'll let that sink for a moment. Selah. Pause and think on this. Or for the butts, baby, Selah. <laughs> Pause and think on this. Well, gifts should be in the back room. Back room? That shows the attitude of preachers toward the gifts of the Spirit. Something that's precious, wonderful, and real. Amen. And of God. You see, there's an attitude toward them. Back room. They want them in the back room. Never did Brother Branham said gifts are to be in the back room. Amen. Because of problems he was having in the tabernacle and the misuse of gifts in the Pentecost arena, they interrupted his sermon and their altar calls. And they said, and he said they were to wait on their ministry in an appointed room, not a back room. By the way, where is your appointed room? But don't worry about a gift of tongues and interpretation interrupting your altar call today. You don't have them anymore. What do you got to worry about? Brother Tim, have you read all 3,300 quotes that Brother Branham said about altar call? Yeah, but obviously you haven't. Well, they didn't have them in the Bible. Yeah, they didn't have church buildings in the Bible or altars in the New Testament. I'm talking about New Testament church. They didn't have a temple. They didn't have altars. They didn't have nothing. There was, there was no church building when, when, the, when those 3,000 were added to the Lord and, and received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Right. Amen. Now, but of those 3,300 quotes, he never told us to take the altar out. He scolded the churches back then, and I quote, the old altar was taken, the old-fashioned mourner's bench was taken out and put down in the basement. Instead of souls on the altar, it was lilies on the altar. That's why when I built this church, I wanted an altar all the way here and all the way there. We used the steps, the front, everything for an altar. Amen, because, because again, you say, well, it's a Methodist tradition. Yep, he said that. And the Methodists did turn it into a plea of, well, your mother died and she wanted you to come to Christ and pull on them from, because of some human emotion instead of coming to Christ because you realize you're a sinner and you need Jesus. But before he left us in 1965, in December, he says the old-fashioned altar calls, they're out of style today. But God still moves in them. Can't you feel it moving on you, church? Yes, 
And it's without sensation, I guess, but it can be felt. Can you imagine now that this is true of many churches that follow the message? I've been in churches where they took the altar out. Didn't want nobody snotting and screaming and crying at their altar. No, sir. But you know, when we talk about these things, and we talk about even church order and some things like that, let me deal with something just for a moment. I'm still pausing and letting you think. You're only making a law out of what you want to be law. You know, if you took church order and made it a law and we follow every dot and tittle like you're wanting to do about the gifts of the Spirit, sermon lengths are only 30 to 40 minutes. And if you're legalistic about it, then you turn every preacher into a preacherette and his sermon into a sermonette and the people into Christianettes. Hello. And the Holy Spirit no longer has the right of way in the church because a legalistic system of man orders, he stops at 40 minutes. Oh, and where is your bell? And there should be a bell set here. And when that bell is tapped, or either the church bell, when it taps on the outside, that's dismissing Sunday school. And when that bell rings, that means everything comes to order right there. So, and where is your Sunday school report? Every teacher dismisses their class, comes to the audience out there, give the report, Sunday school report, and then dismiss the whole thing, and then let all that wants to say for the preaching service be next. So it sounds like the preaching service is optional. We all know that church order is a guideline. It is not a law. It never was intended to be a law. And, but if you're going to make it a law, don't make those parts laws that you want law. Let's apply it across the board. Every jot and every tittle. And oh, what about the rest of it? You're only to have two songs, then take the offering, read the prayer request, have prayer, then a song, then the pastor walks out, and somewhere between 30 and 35 minutes lay your sermon out. So now you can go 45. We stressed it. So if you speak for 46, you've broken church order just as much as somebody speaking in tongues has broken it. And if you have four songs, you have broke church order just as much as somebody prophesying. And I'm quoting from church order now, 1963. And then take your altar call. Uh-oh. Uh oh. And take your altar call. So, if you want to do church order, you've got to have an altar call. And if anybody here in the church, you, you say, if anybody here in the church would like to accept Christ's service, well, Savior, we're asking you, inviting you to the altar right now just to stand your feet. And if no one stands, then you say, is there anyone that's a candidate for baptism that has already repented and wants to be baptized in water for remission of sins? So you've got to give an invitation for baptism. Right. 
And if they wish to come, we're giving you the opportunity now. Will you come while the organ is still playing and nobody comes? Well, is there anyone that never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and want to do so tonight? Would you want us to pray for you? Well, I thought just by accepting the message and coming down and accepting the message and saying, Brother Brandon was a prophet, we got it. What do we need the Holy Ghost for? Well, somebody comes up, then let two or three lay hands on them and pray for them. Send them right back into one of the rooms. And somebody in there instruct them on, or somewhere to come through with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The congregation is all away from them. But oh, we don't have altar calls. No. Neither do you have a back room for the gifts either. Neither an appointed room. Because you have made it. Where the Holy Spirit can have no more right away through your traditions. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. I, I know I, I'm screwing, the, screwing it down right here, making it tight, hammering it in, and clenching it. Amen. Maybe I'm laboring on it too much. I don't mean to be mean about this. I want to be straight about it. Amen. Now, and because. If you have done this, you have made it where there are no gifts. People say, well, you know, they preach against the gifts. I say, what gifts? What are you worried about? There hasn't been one in your church for years. Prophecy has become despised among message churches. Speaking in tongues forbidden. We have done what the apostle Paul told us not to do. 1 Corinthians 14, 39, wherefore brothers covet to prophesy. We ought to covet prophecy. Amen. And forbid not to speak in tongues. But let everything be done in decency and order. Now, if the bride is the last sign, the sign has to have a voice. You can only hear what the sign is saying if it has a voice. A voice without a sign is a sign with no meaning. Put a sign out there, nothing on it. It has no meaning. Amen. A sign without a meaning is a sign without purpose. If it's there, then it's a false sign. It's thunder without lightning, a cloud without water. Now, I'm not railing against the backsliding of the Methodists and the Baptists and the Pentecostal. Neither am I at all trying to return to Azusa Pentecostalism. I am railing against message churches who are afraid of being Pentecostal book of Acts believers who deny the power of the gospel, deny his power to heal. So they deny prayer lines and pretend to be spiritual. Because now they believe in the third pull of the speaking of the words. You see, that's how we do it now. You know, I just wish you would use it. Well, we, we, we don't lay hands now. We, we got spoken word. Well, use it. Why are the sick still laying? Why are the, why are the needs not met? Why aren't you using what you're claiming to have? That's something greater. And then turn around and deny Mark 16 and the Great Commission. I wish you'd use it. Like I said, I've had the miraculous happen when speaking the word. 
Absolutely. Amen. Amen. But miracles still happen when we lay hands on the sick. You can't put God in a box. And I happen to be commissioned by Jesus Christ himself to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. But, brother, brother Tim, Jesus didn't have prayer lines. It's not in the Bible. You're mistaken or a willful unbeliever if you think that. You'd, you don't think people lined up to have Jesus pray for them? Really? Don't deny the obvious. If you saw Jesus, come on, praying for the sick, open the eyes of the blind and you were crippled, would you not get in the line? No prayer lines in the Bible. It's the obvious. Amen. You see, besides that, all we have to do is remember the thousands of times that Brother Branham called for altar calls. Besides that, Jesus commissioned us to do it. Listen to, where did he commission? Lay hands on the sick. They shall recover. James 5 says, if anybody is sick, let them call the elders of the church. There's a call goes forth. Amen. They shall anoint them with oil, a type of the Holy Ghost. Anoint them with oil, an action to cause a reaction. And and the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and God shall raise them up. And if he's committed sin, they shall be forgiven. There's a lot of things happen in a prayer line. Sin's forgiven. Demons drown out. Sickness go. Proving his word, Brother Bradham said, if we could only see Brother Sister, if you could touch him with that certain touch. Oh, sick people, I'm trying to, I'm fixing to pray for you just in a few minutes. I do believe I have the Holy Spirit. No more Holy Spirit than you have right here. Out, got out there. These men have got here. I don't have more Holy Ghost than you got. Hallelujah. I'm here today and I have as much Holy Ghost as Brother Branham had. He said I did. He said I don't have more than you. You got as much as me. And that goes for every brother, sister, every young person, everyone that's got it. Amen. Oh, if you can only realize just one touch of God. He don't have no big heavy spots and little weak spots. One touch of God is omnipotent. Hallelujah. These, the same Holy Spirit, but it's a commandment of God. And if you believe that to be the commandment of God of praying for the sick and laying hands on them and casting out evil spirits and the promises he has made, it'll be the same with you. You'll get what you ask for if you can believe it. Commissioned by God. Can't stop believe I'm able to do this. Jesus said to Jairus, remember he's a secret believer, afraid, afraid somebody would find out he really believed that Jesus was the Messiah. Yea, Lord, I believe. And the man with the child with the epilepsy said, I believe you are the son of God that's come in the world. Oh, 
Now that they that can come only take that attitude to bring the results. That attitude is what it takes. The attitude. Amen. If you can set an attitude while I'm preaching the word, you could be healed. While I'm preaching the word, you can receive the Holy Ghost. Amen. You know, when, when I was, listen, when, when Sister Lana there was sitting up there in the mezzanine, sick after taking chemo, lost all her hair, sitting back there with a mask on because of immune, um, what do you call it, depressed immunity. Anyway, she's sitting back there, heard me preach about a Bible God, a Bible Jesus. A Bible promise. And we're in Bible days. And we got a Bible God who does Bible healings and Bible miracles. Hallelujah. And as I was preaching that, that word settled down in her heart. And there I see we began to sing, leaning on the everlasting arm. Up she jumped and ran around the building. Healed by the glory of God. What was it? While Peter spoke these words, the Holy Ghost came on them. But it was not without sensation or emotion, for they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They don't like to read the rest of that. There was a reaction. There was a strength come from El Shaddai. There was something happened. Now quickly think of him a moment. Here he's on his road up. Little priest come down. No doubt the little fellow was a borderline believer. There's many of them in the world today. Little born again borderline believers. They want to believe that. They want to believe the Holy Ghost is real. They want to believe that this is the apostolic move. As God promised in the last days he'll pour out his spirit. He wants to believe Malachi 4. That he promised in the last day the original Pentecostal faith would be restored back to the church again. We got to have a message and bring the people out of these denominational conditions back to the original, genuine Pentecostal faith. And we're seeing it done. It's fulfilling a scripture, and that has to come. All scriptures must be fulfilled. So Jesus commanded us to pray for the sick and lay hands on them. I don't care what you say out there. We're going to have a prayer line at youth camp. All your criticism, all your calling it Pentecostalism, it ain't going to stop it. We're going to have altar calls. We're going to see the power of God move. We're going to see the Holy Ghost come down. I don't care what you say. It don't stop me one bit. I don't listen to the but I'm strong in the faith and I'm praising God already for every miracle, every healing, every deliverance, every salvation, everyone filled with the Holy Ghost and the power of God. Praise the Lord. So if Jesus commanded us to pray for the sick and lay hands on them, and if more, one, more than one comes, that's a line. A prayer line. 
a line of people coming for prayer. So why deny the people of God the rights to the blessings of God? Why do we want to be that backslid in message churches that deny the obvious of God and the commission he gave us? God has equipped us for every battle. We have got to take the limits off of God. Oh, God, help me. I could preach three hours today. Thank you. I hope you could say that at the end of three hours. God has equipped us for every battle. We've got to take the limits off of God. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in the faith. Oh, the Bible says in Psalm 78, 40, how often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, and turned back and tempted God and limited and limited and limited the Holy One of Israel. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. How he wrought his signs in Egypt, his wonders in the fields of Zoan, and turned their rivers into blood and their floods that they could not drink. And he goes on and on and on telling what God did and what God did. But in the time of testing, they forgot and limited the Holy One of Israel. We are being tested too. This is testing time. And we've got to take the limits off of God. Why stagger at the promise? Why not do like Abraham and give praise to God? Oh, you can hear Sarah. You can hear Sarah thinking, you know, she laughs at it. She just, first it's just funny. It's just so ridiculous, it's funny. She just kind of giggles at it, you know, when she hears about it. When Elohim stands right there and begins to call her by name, tell her, you know, that she's going to have a child. About this time of year, you're going to bring forth a child. It's too hard to believe. Why, Abraham and I have been dead for years now. So has the church. It's too impossible. Why my breast could never give milk? I I don't have the strength to carry a baby, much less birth one. The the power is gone. We haven't had revival in years. Besides that, there are quotes that says revival is over. That was the healing revival, but the bride's revival is still on. Come on, church. Brother Branham told us in Invisible Union, right before he leaves us, he said, the move is on for the bride. That's the say of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. He said it there in birth pains. He said, they say you can't have an old Holy Ghost revival. He said, you can have one in yourself. My breast can never get milk. I just don't have the strength. I, the, the power is gone. I don't have faith for that. I mean, goodness gracious, you know, I once believed I could. But no, you know, I, a long time ago, I gave up on that. And then I gave over to the bondswoman and just said, let her do it. 
That's why we want it today. We want the bombs woman. It's okay for them to have a miracle. It's okay for them to have their prayer answered. It's okay for an angel to appear to Hagar and Ishmael. But we're, we're past all of that. We're, we're, too, we're too frail to believe. Brother Ron said something about an angel of the Lord in, this, in there, and a woman comes to her pastor and said, I don't believe in angels of God now. That only happened in Brother Branham's ministry. We got the word. We got Ishmael. We got the word. We got the word of promise. That's Ishmael. All the promises already been fulfilled. It's too hard to believe. We gave up a long time ago thinking we can have an experience with God. This is impossible. Power of God living on us till we speak in other tongues? Why, 99% of message believers have never had a supernatural experience like that. We put that out a long time. We grew past that. We're, we're beyond now. The desire for the supernatural is long gone. Abraham and I, we don't even have a love affair anymore. There, there's no pleasure with my Lord. We, we're just content with a child of the bondswoman and just going to church and believing the message and saying, Brother Branham's a prophet, and that's all we know about the Holy Ghost. I'm too old. Well, I could never feel a baby kick. Couldn't put up with that disturbing me. Jumping and dancing and shouting in my womb. My nerves are shot. I don't want none of them screaming, hollering, blabbering, Acts 238 miserable creatures. Why, the noise of that makes me nervous. An old-fashioned, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled child, born of the Spirit of God, screaming, hollering, shouting, praising God. That would upset church order here. Church order here. Granny, I'm too set in my ways by now. It might keep me up at night praying. A baby like that might just keep me up at night praying. It might turn my church into an all-night prayer meeting and I got a rerun on television program on YouTube to watch tonight. A true modern picture, a true picture of the modern church today, neither does the modern church want any of these screaming, shouting, tongue-speaking, Acts 2.38 youngins around her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She don't want any of them hooping and crying and screaming. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm too old for that. We don't know much around here. Goodness knowing Jesus, oh, I... The promised son is ushered out of his own church. And they fulfill the prophecy of Revelation 3 with him knocking, trying to get in. And he finally has to say, get out of there. He considered not his body now dead, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. Her name, I want you to get this. 
Her name had been associated with barrenness a long time. That barren woman. That's not your name anymore, Sarah. I'm talking to you. Barren woman is not your name anymore. Hallelujah. Princess is your name. Mother of a new race. Amen. A mother of a supernatural child who didn't come from my husband's strength but from resurrection power. Amen. Our name isn't barren anymore. We are not the mother of stillborn babies who claim the message and their lives are still dead in sins. Amen. While in Israel, you remember, we couldn't go to the Golan Heights when we visited there, Timothy and I. Brother Donnie Reagan, some others. Mike Walls was there, kind of organized it for us. We couldn't go to the Golan Heights. And so as a surprise, our guide took us to Shiloh. And in Shiloh, I prayed specifically for women in our church. Sister Karen and I bought each of them a token from Shiloh and a commemoration of that prayer. And I prayed, I wept. We were a group of ministers, men and women, some of their wives and some single people. But we were there and we prayed. They asked me to pray. I was so broken, so moved for the moment of Hannah's prayer being answered. And I thought, I thought of the needs that we had. My daughter Bethany, who wanted another child, who suffered four miscarriages, one after another. And today, we got little Brooke, our beautiful little princess. (laughs) Then there was Candace, who was barren. I called her name in Shiloh. And when Brother Ron preached, if you remember, he was preaching, take it back. You remember, he said to Brother, Brother Andrew as he passed by and said, the baby's coming. It's coming. And dead seed came to life. Hallelujah. And today we have baby Abigail Elise Tushner. Abigail means calls of joy, father's joy. It's a Hebrew name. And at least means God's promise. God's promise brings a father's joy. Hallelujah. What a cause of joy. I'm telling you, what a cause of joy. Amen. God said to Abraham, name your son Isaac. Laughter. Name him laughter. I don't believe that God was punishing Abraham to name your son laughter because you fell on your face and laughed and and Sarah laughed. I don't believe it because she giggled and laughed because it was a ridiculous promise of an old woman having pleasure with her husband again. I believe it was because God had made them to laugh at the fulfillment of the promise. God had brought a promise to pass. Hallelujah. They could laugh at the devil. Come on now. Who said it would never happen? Who said God ain't big enough? Hallelujah. But they didn't know the power of the 
received that milk, it would bring resurrection life. Oh, I can think of the scorners. When I got on our YouTube page and left a comment, well, well, big name preachers, I don't know who that is, because mine's a short name, Tim, three letters. <laughs> big name preachers. And I ain't very big, so. Big name preachers rejoicing over Pentecostal songs. <laughs> You're milk drinkers, Brother Tim. And we are meat eaters. You see, we're meat eaters and you're milk drinkers. Well, I guess if that's stronger than milk, you should be doing greater exploits than those who drink milk. So where's the proof of your meat? mixing types you got to keep types in the running in the right direction you cannot mix types in one type we eat meat and another type we drink milk in this type of El Shaddai Abraham is a mature 99 year old he's mature by the way and Sarah a mature 90 year old and drinking milk and that milk began to change their bodies hallelujah let me just tell you, name your child laughter. God has made me to laugh. I'm laughing at the devil. And I got news. He that laughs last laughs best. I'm going to have the last life. I'm going to be laughing at the resurrection. I'm going to laugh at the body change. I'm going to laugh at my new clothes. I'm going to laugh, hallelujah, when I hug my wife. I'm going to laugh and I'm rejoice when I see the saints that are risen from the dead. I'm going to get the last laugh. Hallelujah. We're a people. And he said, name the child a laughter. We are people laughing at the devil, laughing, rejoicing at the promise, saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Esther, you're next. I pray for you too. Hallelujah, you're next. Hallelujah. I prayed also for the barren church. You're next. You're going to bring forth life. You're going to bring forth the power of Christ. You're going to laugh at your enemy. You're going to laugh in victory. You're going to laugh with joy. You're going to laugh. You're going to have the last laugh. The devil stole your children. The devil pulled them out of the world. The devil did whatever he could to them. But we're going to have the last laugh. We're not leaving a hook behind.
I'm laughing because the kids he taught he would overwhelm. They are now laughing over something they've overcome. Hallelujah. Amen. God will make you laugh over that cancer. He'll make you laugh at that diabetes. He'll be be making you laugh over that thing that's hindering you. He'll make you laugh over that complex. God will make you laugh. Hallelujah. God will make the church rejoice. We're not in the time of defeat. We're in the time of the greatest joy that there's ever been. Hallelujah. A bride that is rejoicing in power and glory and honor to the great king of glory. They, Sarah received life because she judged him faithful. God, you said you would do it. I don't care what it looks like. You're going to do what you said. You're going to bring it back. You're going to restore my family. You're going to restore my joy. Amen. Esther lost her little token. We bought her and Lydia bought her another. And it says, it says from Luke 145, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise to her. Hallelujah. That was Mary before she felt the baby, before she knew she was pregnant. She and Elizabeth rejoiced and shouted together at the impossibility of an old woman like Elizabeth having a child and the great, great, great impossibility of having a child without knowing a man. And said, happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promise. And said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. This caused Mary to laugh, shout, and rejoice. And when you rejoice, you laugh. Let the musicians come. The prodigals are coming home. The prodigals are coming home. Remember, I'm prophesying the prodigals are coming home. Claim your loved ones. Get ready for it. Take a drink from El Shaddai. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to rejoice. Somebody ought to say, Yes, mama, that's me. Somebody ought to laugh and say, glory to God. It's my inheritance. It's my promise. It's my trophy. It's my victory. It's my joy. It's a father's promise. It's a father's joy. Hallelujah. Go ahead and shout about it. So I feel in the flesh. Well, get in the spirit. Amen. Go to rejoicing in the God. The promise of God ought to make you rejoice. The promise of God ought to make you to shout. The promise of God ought to make you lift up your voice. And give voice to the resurrection. I'm not dead, but I'm alive forevermore. I got the keys here to Satan's Eden. And the gates of hell will not prevail against me. Glory to God.
I said glory to God. Would somebody else say glory to God? Would somebody else lift their voice? Would somebody else say thank you, Jesus? Would somebody else say I quit considering all my troubles, all my cancer, all my situations, all my problems, everything I see, I start declaring what I don't see. I see victory. I see joy. I see my children coming home. I see a party prepared. I see, I see, I see the word of God being manifested. The sick healed. Hallelujah. Selah. Pause and think on this. Pause and think on this. You can drink from El Shaddai. It's not one and done. Get that prayer closet opened again. Get in the presence of Jehovah. Pray until you enter into the spirit. Until there comes forth the power of God. Genuine new tongues. The Holy Spirit moving. Till it becomes joy unspeakable and full of glory. Till the love life for Christ just sparks again. Sarah, it's got to happen. How are you going to do it? Pull on El Shaddai. Get into the Holy Ghost. Get into the flow of the Spirit. Let Him breathe on you. Let Him breathe on me. Let's just worship Him together here. Oh, why don't you let Him breathe on you? Let him just come there to you, to your place. It can happen. It happened one service. Jude, come stand up here so the cameras can see you. Happened one service. Lydia taking a child into the, into the nursery, hearing the message. Faith come in her heart. How old are you now? Twelve. Stand by him, Aaron. I was going to stand by him, but he'll dwarf me. Hallelujah. Does this look like a boy with little bitty tiny kidneys like a walnut and deformed and everything the doctor said? That stunts the growth, you know. But the Holy Spirit, El Shaddai, moved upon a little mother. In the nursery and said, take your baby now. Up for prayer. We believe in prayer lines. And when it did, a baby who was not wetting his diaper at night, his kidneys deformed. Doctor said told of its awful condition, gave all kinds of warnings. 
but God healed him completely. Then he went back to the doctor just in a few weeks. You know what the, the doctor said? Oh, we must have made a mistake in the diagnosis. <laughs> no, there's no mistake. Because the diaper was wet and soaked the next morning. A baby who didn't wet its diaper all night. That's what can happen in a service like this. You're listening out on the, on the air right in South Africa. Brother Derek Chetty, his wife had diabetes so bad that we're going to take her legs off. Listening to a sermon of mine, God healed her. Totally. No more insulin, no more nothing, no more. It's not just for Louisiana, it's for all the world. Hallelujah. It's God and His people. It's God working in His church. It's a people who are. Touched by El Shaddai and drinking from him, and faith comes into him. Walk down here, David Dexter. My wife was here, I'd call her for God healing the blind eyes. But she got better eyes now over in another land and greater healing. This man right here went on a cruise, got some kind of problem emergency situation in his eyes and they went there to try to determine what it was nothing worked he went over 30 times to specialist his report he sat there looking around at all the other clients that was waiting on the doctor and he said I was the youngest they had several people with serious eye problems people recovering from surgery said then there was me I looked normal others had bandages patches some visible way they could see them the specialist ran several tests on his eyes did a real cool looking 3D scan of his cornea but they couldn't find anything and when he scanned the, the cornea he saw some kind of scarring it was like his body had fought off some kind of virus he went for blood work was tested for seven different time things. He tested positive for an, an immune disorder, a genetic immune disorder that attacks the body. HLAB27, just a name for a devil. My doctors worry that a very high percentage of people with Ankylosis, spondylitis, a kind of degenerating spinal issue, have this protein that's found in your white blood cells. It's when you're, if it's out of whack, your immune system literally starts attacking your own body. The scar in the body and in the eye they felt was coming from that. He went to pick up his prescription in Menden at Walgreens, a pharmacist, come over and said, What's wrong with you? And then proceeded to tell him there's only one other person in town that's on this stronger prescription. And they're losing their hair, the skin pigment, and 
and it was just the, the medicine just slowing down their inevitable early death and he said what a faith booster that was so he said to a rheumatologist did x-rays and joint tests they came back clean he said well they're clean now but with your reoccurring iritis that inflammation of the cornea and the presence of that HLA B27 you'll have to come back every year from here on out so he went over 30 times to different times to different specialists and, and, and so right before youth camp he started backing off the medicine a little bit he went to the prayer line at youth camp with a prayer cloth that was sent to him by his dad that he would place over his eyes and he really struggled to find faith and he felt an unknown cause that, that he let this unknown cause cause him entirely too much worry and then the specialist began to hone in on what he believed was the root cause and finding it might be genetic didn't help at all so he got that prayer cloth he got to thinking about his heritage I think we ought to think about our heritage about what God's done in our generation in my heritage of faith it was like he reached the lowest point and it was uphill from there he went through the prayer line for healing after youth camp he testified I'm healed and he still had eye issues on and off could actually feel the iodine is coming and he would he would pop a bunch of, of ibuprofen pretty quick and it would go away and not it would just keep getting worse until his eye would turn red he'd have to go back on steroids but one service this is what he testified but there came an end <laughs> I'll tell you what there's coming an end to your problem to your barrenness. Esther, there's coming an end to your barrenness. Are you with me? Amen. There's coming an end to your troubles. There's coming an end to that cancer. The diabetes, all of it. Just want it out and throw it out. Amen. Whatever name the devil wants to put on it. He heard it. The voice of God speak to him at the end of the service. He was helping with sound up there. See, you can be in the sound booth and it happened. Mezzanine and it happened. In the back room where they where they the babies are being diaper changed for the mothers. It can happen there. But sitting there up up in the up in the top there, he heard a voice of God speak to him. If you go for prayer, you'll be healed. And he acted on that. Walking down for prayer and after the service, his eye would throb a little bit, but it kept getting better and better. Now it's been seven years and he, since he's had any pain or symptoms. Yeah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's what can happen in a prayer line. For Sister Lana, it happened while the word went forth. Come on! Amen. For Brother David, it healed his eyes. No more seven years victorious hallelujah God has called you to laugh to rejoice to thank God hallelujah 
passing on to your kids either. That's a lie of the devil. We're going to have complete and total victory. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let it breathe on me. Let it breathe. Oh, just let it bathe down now. Let the whole
may take one by side and one by faith. Take the word of God of what you see. Thank you. 